0: Hey girl, hey, I'm so pumped to bring you today's interview with Jessica Hoddle. She is just absolutely the cutest thing on planet Earth. You guys are gonna love her. And we are talking today about how to get back to bored. Like, when's the last time you were okay with nothing, with rest, with chilling, with being bored, with stillness, right, with soaking, just, oh, like I'm so excited about this conversation. I think that we have this idea that being bored is bad. And Jessica and I are here to tell you that being bored is so good, girl. So we're really gonna dig into healing the lies of your past and transforming your future. And I actually just, you know, I titled this, this pod, Get Back to Bored, because I think that's the entire message. And what I want you to take away from today's episode is how to dig back into who you are without busy, now, who is Jessica Hoddle? Guys, she is just so fun, so cute. She's the number one bestselling author. She's written three books, Know Your Worth, A Worthy Wife, and Own Your Worth. You can find her having dance parties, which I could totally see after meeting her. <laughs> she lives in Pennsylvania with her husband, John, and they are cat parents to Tux, Toya, and Baby Nugs. Pull up a seat, heat up some coffee, and come sit with us. Friend, welcome to the Stephanie Gas Show, where you can get clarity on your calling, use your gifts for glory, and create a kingdom business. I believe that when we come together as daughters of the King, we will create true change here on earth. And we're raising up little world changers, mamas. Yes, and amen to that anointing over our lives I believe we can also do this while having a ton of fun. You're here for PJs all day, lukewarm coffee, building passive income businesses, and using your voice for impact by podcasting and spreading your message into the world. You are in the right place. It's time to let God light our path so we can experience true miracles. Let's get pumped up for today's show. Friend. Have you been trying to figure out a way to make money from home? Have you been struggling with what you could possibly do that's actually going to light you up and create more impact and income in your life? Have you tried all the things? Have you tried MLM only to be left broke and defriended on social? (laughs) Have you tried picking something random and selling it because your best friend Susan is having success, but yet you can't seem to make it work? Do you feel like there's nothing that you've been created to do that would possibly allow you to have time, freedom, purposeful living, and profit on your own terms? I'm here to tell you, friend, that is not truth. You just haven't figured out what your calling is. And I am all about that. That is my gifting. That is what I've been created for. And I'm so excited to help you figure it out so that you can build a profitable online business from your calling. That is right, my friend. I'm so excited for you. I have a free workshop to help you figure this out. It's a four-step clarity framework, and there's a free workbook that goes with it. I think you're going to absolutely love it. All you got to do is go to stephaniegass.com, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E-G-A-S-S. Click on the free workshop button and get registered. This workshop is going to help you Know what your calling is, have that direction, and then teach you how to build a passive income business model from your calling. You're going to love it, love it, love it, and I invite you to come join me. It's totally free, and it's totally fun. I'll meet you there.
1: We are here. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Yay. Well, we just had an amazing conversation on your podcast, so you guys (laughs) have to go check that episode out. Um, Just tell everybody what you do and a quick, how did you get there?
1: Uh, yeah. So I've been an entrepreneur for more than 11 years. I am 33 at the time of this recording, and I started when I was about 20. I I want to say 21, 22, um, but I worked at Joanne Fabrics. That was my first job ever. Mm-hmm. And I started when I was 16. And it's funny because I actually was late. It was a group interview. I was late to the interview, was so afraid to go in and I didn't show up. Like I just left and my, the, my boss, you know, at the time called and she's like, do you want another opportunity? And I share that story because it's like right from the gate, it's, I was afraid to start something new. Mm. And so I was, She called me back, I started working there at 16. I quickly rose the ranks into key holder at 18. And then to basically one under my store manager, and I'd worked there for eight years. And so in that time, though, I was working three like three jobs in the summer. I was working at like a Sharon Speedway, which is like a racetrack, and then I was working at a golf pro shop. And then I got to be a personal trainer, so I was personal training. I was teaching fitness classes at a college and at a studio. So as you can see, I know that. Uh, let's do all the jobs to make all the money that I can from all these different avenues, overwork yourself and exhaust yourself. And that's what I did. And on top of that, that's when I, at 22, I bought a house. That's when I found Jesus. And that's when I started my entrepreneur as an MLM, which I know you have history with as well, of starting that. And I was doing all these different things at once. And I realized like, I don't need all these different avenues if I focused on one and really- Put all my work into that. Um, but a lot of that led to striving, overwork, uh, exhaustion, my body breaking down. And so now, I am just loving to help people be set free from the lies that they believe, about their body, about their faith, a basically spirit soul body. Mm-hmm. And that comes in the form of you know, still fitness through an MLM, but also my books, the podcast, and you know what I whatever I share on social media, but really just helping women be set free from the lies that they believe because I believe them for so long too.
0: Ah, uh, so good. I just love how. God defines us and creates these perfect like calling work for each of us. And that you're so clear on what yours is, which is one of my big, you know, what I get so lit up about is like, what do you do, you know, and to hear I help women be set free from the lies that they believe. um, I'm so here for that. So talk to me about, you mentioned that you found yourself striving a lot through this 11 year entrepreneurial period. And I know that a lot of my girls, are in that, but maybe they've never heard of this before. So tell us what it means to strive. Like, can you define that?
1: I think for me, it's working outside of grace, uh, because I wanted to do all the things because I thought I had to take care of myself. And I think a lot of times we do that because if we think in our heads, like if I don't take care of myself and my family, then who will? hmm and so we go into this overproducing, we go into, well, I have to show up, even though we might just be scrolling on Instagram. Like I've met so many entrepreneurs that are like I'm working and I'm like, what are you doing? Scrolling is not working, you know? And so for me, it's really working outside of the grace that I've been called to the grace that I've been given the mercy that I've been given because driving is really just that idea that I'm my provider and not God. Mm. And that's really when I break that down. That's really what it boils down to.
0: So raise your hand, ladies, like how many of you are finding yourself in a striving season of life, right? You're working too hard. You're overworking You're. for me, I find that in a, um, a spirit of control will really take over, Yeah. you know, like, Oh, I have to figure this out. I have to do this. I have to, instead of why am I striving? Like if God already has it all figured out, mm-hmm. I need to take a step back. So what happened for you? You were in this constant striving. Was there a moment or a period or a season where you had this realization that you were striving? And then what did you do about that?
1: Yeah. I think for me, it took a long time. Like I've been in business for a while and it probably took, I call it in my spiritual father. Um, He's still my spiritual father, but he was who I needed in that season for about five years. And he was kind of just throwing things up. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing all of these things? Because I didn't grow up with a family that spoke life into me that have, that had guidance that said, you can do anything. I didn't say, I didn't hear. I love you. I didn't hear. I'm sorry. I didn't hear any of those things. So that's why I grew up thinking if I don't take care of myself, then nobody's going to. And for me, I just spent years because I listened to what everybody else was doing to be successful. And Then I just started doing webinars and this and that, and I was exhausted and I wasn't getting the results because God was like, did I ever ask you to climb that mountain? Mm. And I was like, no, but I thought everybody else was doing it. So I was supposed to do it because that's what people teach. Like, this is how I made, you know, this, and you got to do it too, versus helping them kind of figure out. And for me, I think I had to differentiate between hard work and striving. And I was praying about this yesterday so that people really understand the difference because we are called to till the ground Adam from the beginning was called to work and so a lot of people go well how do I know the difference between striving and hard work and so I started to kind of write these down like hard work has boundaries Hmm. striving has no boundaries hard work says I can rest striving says no sleep hard work says I have limits stress says or the striving says push to exhaustion. And the last one I wrote down was hard work says it knows when to say no. And striving says yes to everything. And I think those are two totally different things because we're called to hard work, but striving is an operating outside of God's will for your life.
0: That is so good. You said we're called to till the ground. And so those main components to inventory. Are you in a hard work? Are you, are you doing good works or are you striving? Is this, do you have boundaries? Are you giving yourself permission and actually taking rest? Yeah. Do you have limits? Yeah. You know, when and how to say no. And are you actually saying it? Yeah. That's so amazing. So for everybody listening, going, "Uh," no, like I'm not doing (laughs) those four things, Jessica. Yeah. How did you transition to doing those four things what tips do you have there and what did that look like?
1: Yeah. I always start no matter whatever I'm teaching somebody, how I'm teaching them to move through their feelings. It's always awareness always because when, when we have conscious thoughts, those are the most pliable. They're like Play-Doh. We can mold them. So when we pick up our phone, for instance, and I know we keep talking about social media, but that's just the age that we're in right now. Yeah, when We pick up our phone. It's consciously thinking why? Cause there's many times I pick it up and I'm like, why am I here? So we have to actually ask ourselves, am I being intentional? Like, okay, I'm picking it up because I need to do this story for business, or am I picking it up because I don't want to deal with what I'm feeling Mm. because it's a binge. And so awareness is, is the first thing, because then we take awareness, then we can begin to one, go to God, Mm. acknowledge so that we can change. Yeah. But if we don't know what's happening, we can't begin to put systems and boundaries in place at all. If we're not even aware of what we believe about why we're doing it or what we're doing at all.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much because I think that's also one of the hardest things for women, especially in today's day and age is being willing to even have the awareness. Like we know that there's a timer on our phone that tells us how much time we've been on.
1: Yeah.
0: I avoid it like the plague because if I look at that, yeah, I bring awareness to myself and that those little guilt feelings that, oh, you've been picking up your phone too much today, they'll be validated because yeah. you did. And so I love this so much of having this conscious decision. I could just, for myself, I could see myself putting a sticky note, Jess, like on my computer where I sit to do my work that with the big word, why? Yeah. And then, especially on my phone, that should be our screensaver, you guys. Why? Like, yeah. Why am I picking this up? That's that right there. This entire interview, it's worth that piece of advice right there. Yeah. Why am I touching this phone? Why am I going over here? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because you get, a, you have a choice, right? You can make choices from the flesh or you can make choices from the spirit. Your spirit will always give you discernment right then and there. When you ask that question, Why? Holy spirit will lead you. That's so,
1: thank you. Well, and, and I think it really helps to go into, am I, when we go to why we go, well, am I, is this a boundary? Am I choosing boundaries or am I not? Cause then it goes into, well, I'm only doing this because I don't feel seen right now. You know, I'm picking up my phone because I want to see how many people commented and liked, or then that, like you said, will either verify or, you know, validate or not validate if I'm seen or not. And so that really helps us get even further down into basically like the title of my book, face off with your feelings. Mm. It's like, we need to be able to confront and go to the root so that the fruit changes. And so that let's go through an example of this. So
0: I touch my phone. I see why on my new screensaver. Right. And I'm like, I'm feeling super bored. You know, um, my kids are being obnoxious and I'm trying to escape from the noise of my house. And I also feel like I need, I'm wondering if I have DMs. So let's say that that's how I answer this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real reason I'm getting in there. Yeah. I guess the question, the, the thing becomes that I'm bored. So I guess I would write that down and say, mm-hmm. okay, you're feeling bored. Why are you bored? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you do with this example? Like, what would those feelings be that? And what are the questions that you would prompt me to ask those feelings or those feelings, th- those questions you'd
1: have me ask myself about the awareness that was just mm-hmm. brought up? I love boredom. I actually think we need to get back to boredom. I don't even think we're truly bored most of the time when we say that we're bored because in the back of our mind, we're still thinking about all the things that we need to do. Boredom really creates space in your brain so that you can think clearly, that you can process clearly, that you can create space to heal so that you can create um, time so that you can begin to bear the stories in your life versus like. I need to fix it. Cause there's times where you might not be feeling anything. You really might just not have anything to do. But when I start working with people, no matter the age, 65, 50, no matter the age, 25, it still comes back to this. They've been so disconnected from their feelings and their body because they've overworked, they're overstrived, they're exhausted, they're taking care of their family, they're feeding, that they don't know what it's like to have joy, to laugh from their belly, to play board games, to walk without listening to a podcast, to have a friend date without agenda or a to-do list. Like, it's church, I have to meet this person. When I ask people, what do you like to do for fun? They usually can't answer. And the reason why is because I remember about... Three to four years into my business, somebody saying to me, what do you like to do for fun? And I didn't have an answer because all I knew was work. I knew to take care of people. I knew I had to show up. Everything was to create an outcome for my future. And that meant money or just something that was different than what I grew up with. And so that's why when you get bored, I'm like, well, what do you like to do for fun? Do you know? Do you like to read? Do you like to take baths? Like, what is it? And getting back to that place, because that will bring you joy with the Lord as well.
0: This is so good. And I see such a clear visual of Stephanie, you know, 2015, living in all of that, those lies, that disconnection and that constant tug. And I think I have a, by the way, you've just titled this podcast episode, which is get back to board. I'm obsessed. I love (laughs) it forever. I love it forever. You need to read. That's what the book needs to be called. Um, and then, then Stephanie now, and you asking me like, what do you like to do for fun? I was immediately able to answer you like mountain bike, take baths. I love to go to long drawn out dinners. I like to go for a walk with nothing and just, I like to sit out on my patio and just stare at the trees yes. birds, because I can see God in the trees and the birds and the and wind hear them hear them. And your, your senses are heightened in this like incredible way. And the clouds, I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at God's canvas. And this, it's just this awareness that you're sitting, you're sitting with God every day and you get to feel that fulfillment, their gifts, but instead of taking his gifts, we want to stay in the phone prison, right? Like we want to stay in the tiny invisible walls of social media and phone and busy and striving And imagine what you're missing. Like imagine. So these are all lies, right, Jessica? These are lies that we're believing. Talk to me about these lies of the world and how we begin to know God's truth and rewrite them.
1: What I like to describe this as is to know the truth is to know the fruit it produces. So for me, when people are like, how do I know if it's a lie or how do I know if it's truth? I go, well, what kind of fruit is it producing in your life? Because a lie will typically lead to division, separation, exhaustion, um, just any kind of division, like dividing, deception, something that takes you further from God that usually brings down your mood, not lifts, lifts your mood. Yep. Um, any cues like that is typically when you're believing a lie and it leads to always back to identity. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. Your voice doesn't matter. Those are kind of like the next tier that you'll probably experience. So to know God's truth is to know the fruit it produces as well. So that typically will be redemption, restoration, healing, joy, courage, strength. So whatever I'm thinking, what is it producing chemically and physically in my body? Because when we're stressed and we're believing lies, we put our head down, we walk with our head down, our shoulders might shrug. Our body posture will resemble the thoughts that we believe about ourselves and about other people.
0: Wow. That's so, so powerful to me. I love these lie cues. So the lie cues, you guys, what feeling is it producing? So I challenge you when you get on social media for that 30 minutes of random scrolling, what emotion do you feel when you get out? Like, do you feel elated, redemptive, joyful, courageous, strengthened? No, you probably feel comparison. You probably feel maybe kind of off. You probably lacking, lacking, lacking discontent, um, And also when you look at the physical, what is it doing? Well, if your child's talking to you at the same time, I guarantee you that you're not paying more attention and looking in their eyes more than you're looking at the phone. Irritated. You're irritated. Yeah. They're pulling from you. Like this is so great because you can look at that and go, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I'm pouring into a lie right now, simply from these lie cues. Like this is blowing my mind. I'm so obsessed with this. I love it. (laughs) And when you look at that walk, outside with the birds you left your phone at home lord hope hope you fully you're in a safe neighborhood if not you know you got your mace whatever yeah but you're taking that walk and you're like you're soaking in going for a hike and you can sense god in the trees you can hear the birds at a higher level you have all these wonderful thoughts and you're done with that walk how do you feel right you feel elated you feel filled you definitely have some new revelation to walk away from and you can coin that as truth right so I, for me, what I'm pulling from this amazing lesson is that everything we do when we ask ourselves that why question, and then we take a look at the lie cues or the truth cues can be categories, right? Jess, like this yeah. is either a lie or a truth. Is there a middle ground?
1: Yeah, no. Well, because scripture is clear. The words that we speak are life or death. So truth or lie, there is no middle ground. I mean, scripture over and over again says that these are your two options. And the spirit lusts after the flesh and the flesh after the spirit. And so there's this opposition constantly between our flesh and God's truth. And so for us, that's why we like our words are so powerful, which is why I talk so much about that in the book of what we speak, we become, and our life follows our most dominant thought is because our words are energy. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not even, this isn't like the the woohoo kind of people like this is real scripture. If you read through Proverbs all over, does he say that, you know, my word, my words are life and strength to your bones and health to your flesh. Mm -hmm. Just one out of many that talks about meditating on his word and how it physically changes our bodies, but also our minds. So it's only life or death or truth or lie.
0: Yeah, exactly. The tongue has the power to speak life or death and that verse has always stuck with me. And that's, that's a reason why we have to be slow to speak, right? You have to think and discern through what is coming out of my mouth and slow to now make decisions. Mm -hmm. Like we make so many decisions. We don't have to live on this autopilot of decision-making. We don't have to live on this multitude of multitasking. We don't have to live because we've done what we do, what we've always done. Like we have a choice and today is a new day. And this minute is a new minute to decide that you are going to be yoked up with God. You are going to be connected to your feelings. You are going to constantly inventory, you know, like Jess mentioned earlier, um, bring that awareness, that why question to everything you're doing, and then make the intentional choices to change that behavior. Just change it. And this is, I feel like this is easy for me to say because I'm sitting here now. Like one of the hardest things was to make those choices to change. How do we do that, Jess? What are some tactical, intentional things we could do? We go, oh my gosh, I have some things I really need to change in my life.
1: Yeah. It's so funny because we want change, but we don't, when we start to get change, we don't want it because we're like, I don't, I don't want to do what it takes to change because every day we're like, I want to change my body. I want to change my workouts. And then as soon as we start putting those action steps in, we're like, maybe not so much. And a lot of that has to do with how we programmed our brains to believe the neural pathways that we've created over and over because we've had this routine for so long. But for me, change also starts with, you know, as an author to retell a story and to change something, I have to reread the story. Mm -hmm. So if I wrote three paragraphs, if I need to change that, I have to go back and reread it. So that means that practically speaking in life, We actually have to bear our stories to change our stories. So we are run by our emotions when we run away from them. So that's where it's really easy for women to feel shame, to feel guilt. And I'm not saying we live in our past, but I'm saying we have to begin to get to a point where we don't feel the guilt and the shame and the horror of our past, but that we know that Christ has redeemed us from our past, that our past is also powerful for our future so that we can walk in the glory to glory that he's called us to. But if we're constantly running from our story or minimizing our story, that's doing us no good. It's actually hindering us more than helping us. So we need to actually be able to go back to our stories and look and heal and to mm-hmm. rewrite them with God so that today we're not living in our past, even though we're in our present right now, because most of us in our present, in this very moment are living from past.
0: Wow. And that's what your book does. Your book mm-hmm. that you're, you're working on now, it's almost ready. And I think that's so helpful because even for me asking you that question, I'm looking for like you know, oh yeah, I just started deleting the apps. Like it's not just something tactical. It's something super emotional. It's something that is going to take a lot of healing work. And I think when we hear that word healing work, it's just elusive. It's like, I don't even know where to start or what that means. And so what word of advice do you have for those going great? I want to bear my story so I can change it. I want to rewrite these lies from my past with God. What's that final piece that they need to hear? Hmm.
1: I keep thinking about the first chapter I wrote in my book and it really talks about Jesus and the paralytic man and his friends kind of coming down, uh, you know, bringing him down and Jesus, you know, paraphrasing the words, but basically says, which is easier to say that you are healed or that your sins are forgiven. And the whole premise of that, when I was doing some research and reading is really this idea that the physical healing was an extreme, like it was a miracle. The, the reality is though, it, it was also carnal, meaning I could see it with my eyes to say your sins are forgiven is guess what? The inner work mm-hmm. that nobody sees that is the greater miracle actually than the physical for Jesus, go to the cross and to die for you was one of the, we could never repay that. And so what I'm trying to say is that most of the times when we think about healing, we go, well, what's it going to tangibly, tangibly produce for me? Mm. Because everything we do in business, we think there's A plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. If I do X amount of posts, if I do this podcast, if I write this email, I can get a hundred dollars or I can get so many followers or subscribers or whatever. And so we look at healing the same way we go, well, what can I do? Right. what is healing really going to benefit me. If I heal from this lie, how is it really going to change my life? How's it going to change my kid? Is it going to change my finances? Am I all of a sudden going to get, you know, the $500 that I need? Mm. which is why I believe so many of us don't pursue healing is because we don't believe healing is worth it. And healing is
0: the catalyst to all of this that we've talked about yes. today. It's,
1: it's literally the root system, mm-hmm. you know, cause our root system, and I explain this in the book, I, it's one of my favorite images the Lord gave me about the tree, but our root system is made up of lies, memories, beliefs, God's word. And so what's in our roots, right. Is going to determine how the tree grows, how strong it grows, what kind of fruit it produces on the tree, how it affects every single area of our life. So we cannot escape healing. So if you want to be anger and bitter because you don't think it's worth it, then every single area of your life is going to produce probably some kind of death, so to speak, meaning it's not going to bear the fruit that you want it to because we're carrying whatever root that is into the other areas of our life like you look at an apple tree and you go, Oh, I wish this apple tree would, would bear fruit, you know, would actually create
0: red, juicy, amazing apples. And you go and you start sprinkling like plant seed on the branch. And you're like, come on, make an apple. And it's like, what? You yeah. have to go to the root and you have to pull the weeds. And then you have to plant, you know, all of that plant food in there. You have to water it. You have to love on the tree. You have to make sure the sunlight is right. Like there's all of these pieces that go into healing from the root to, and then yeah. ultimately create that yeah. blossoming apple tree. So such a good visual. Yeah,
1: And just to add on that really quick was, you know, something that we've been learning, especially I've been learning in church and in reading is for a seed, for for a fruit to grow, a seed has to die. Mm. And we have to really look at this is that a seed, no matter the seed, a seed always has life. Think about it. You can plant any kind of seed in the ground and it will grow with the right fertilizer. So therefore a seed at any moment has life, but the life has to be then put into the ground so that it can die to produce the fruit. So we don't put like a, you know, an acorn in the ground and then get like a massive acorn. So we, the same thing with corn. We don't put like a big or a corn seed in and then hope the seed just gets bigger off above the ground. No, we get a corn stalk with multiple corn. Right. And so it's the same thing with healing or whatever you're facing right now, whatever feelings or things that you're believing, like put them in the ground so that they can die. So that new fruit can be born in your life and multiplied because that's the
0: corn, right? Like, yeah, there's so much potential. There's so much fruit and you didn't walk through those lies on accident. Like we've talked about in today's episode, multiple times, it was for a purpose and God will not waste anything and he will use it for good. Yeah. So you have to bring it to him. I love this yeah. so much, Jessica, where can everybody hear more of your goodness?
1: Check out your book and connect. Yeah, it. no, you can go get my book at Jessica huddle.com forward slash books. Uh, it's been a labor of love for over two years. So let's face off with your feelings together yes. um, and you can come hang with me on the podcast, of course, to what's the truth. And you'll find Stephanie there as well. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you, my
0: friend, for blessing us today. Thank you so much. If you like Mama's show, leave a review. Sweetie please. Real quick before you go, if this podcast has blessed you in some way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. I seriously am lit up every time I hear from you guys, every time that I see that this show has impacted your life in some way. So if you'll do that for me, I would be super grateful. The second thing you can do is take a screenshot of this episode or of your review and go share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Stephanie Gass. I'll share you in my stories and then together we can share the love. God bless you, sis.